your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 214 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the front lines of Sens Army in Ottawa, Ontario, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And it's been 290 days since the Sens last game, 80 days since they selected Tim Stutzla in the NHL draft. But last night, you got to see him in action and a whole lot of them on a depleted German team. Did he step up to the challenge? Obviously, we'll break down a great effort from Germany, but of course, they fell short to Finland and Robbie Yarventi. Then Jake Sanderson in the lineup for Team USA. A full World Junior breakdown before we get to our Sens Central citizen. It's Jacob LaRiviere, a younger citizen than we've had in the past. So he's got some more recent memories, including he had just had the opportunity to interview Mark Borowiecki. So he gets into that. Then we'll get back to our Senators organizational value charts and a whole lot more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Saturday, December 26th, and Pilsy, wow, what a treat to watch Tim Stutzla play hockey. Man, we've been starved to see our third overall pick in game action, wearing the C for Team Germany. And man, he he's a little water bug out there. Like his his motor is crazy. He's constantly driving the play on offense. And he did much better defensively than I had expected. But this was so much fun to finally get to see Timmy in game action. And yeah, like you said in the intro, we saw a lot of him. 26 minutes. Second only to Simon Gnepp, the defenseman who played 28-53. And get this, Pilsy, they lose 5-3. Tim Stutzla is a plus one in a game where they were not only outshot, they were outplayed. They only had 14 skaters. They were playing with three lines, five defensemen, and their starting goalie couldn't even come to the tournament initially. So they... I mean, he had 50 shots against him. I thought he let in a few that you or I could have probably had. But all in all, you look at Tim Stutzel's effort, something to note, he played left wing the entire game. Was that something that surprised you? Because initially, and going back to last year's tournament, he was a staple in the middle between John Jason Paterka and Lucas Reichel. Yeah, I'll be honest. I was a little bit surprised when I saw him on uh, the left wing, but you know, that's where he's played a, a bunch of his time in the DEL. So he is used to it. The The German team, they know he can play that position well. And I think it was really interesting to watch him because normally when you're a winger, you're stuck on that left side, right? So I think that kind of it made it easy for Finland to try to game plan against him initially. But what Timmy Stutzla did is he roamed all over the ice. Like he did not stay on that left side at all. He was everywhere. And I think that kind of confused the matchups and where guys are supposed to be. And it created a little bit of space. Although initially I thought I would like Timmy Stutzla's game better as a winger, but now I'm starting to think that I might like it better as a center because this is a guy you don't want to limit him to certain spots on the ice. You want him roaming around and doing everything he can because he's also much better defensively than I thought. Like his ability to get sticks in lanes uh, for cross ice passes and 
I really like seeing him coming back on the play and sneaking the puck away from guys when they're in transition coming the other way. Like when guys have the puck softly on their sticks, look out, Timmy Stutzler's coming for you. Yeah, absolutely. And Sens Prospects, friend of the show, made point of that. He's like, man, Stutz almost went full Mark Stone on the first shift, the takeaway, the, the change in direction right away. And for me, it's his second step. He has that explosiveness that really separates him from anyone else in that game. And I'm including Anton Lundell, who was as advertised the captain of Finland, which is fantastic. But when Stutzla has the puck, he picks up speed. And that is such a special trait because a lot of times you have to slow down, figure out what you're going to do, how you're going to stick handle. This guy gets it and he just goes. And we know that another friend of the show, Craig Button, who's doing color for that game, just raving about the motor how about the comparison he threw out? Peter Forsberg, different players, he said, but that motor that when the puck drops, he's not dipping his toe in. He is going to get the puck, hound it. And then when he does, his vision is remarkable. He was setting up John Jason Paterka and Paterka was setting him back up. And we have to get into that goal because that was not an easy right on a tee one-timer pass. That was right in his feet and he did not hesitate, contorted his body and put it upstairs in a hurry. Yeah, that was a really interesting play because coming down on that two-on-one, Paterka completely gives away that he's passing it. Like, he's not even, his body's not even facing the net. Like, there is no question in anyone's mind that that puck is going to Timmy Stutzla. The defenseman plays it pretty well, uh, to be honest. It was a great pass by Paterka. He had to do what he had to do to get that puck to Stutzla. But good adjustment by Stutzla, getting low and still firing that shot off. And it's the release. That release is so quick. The goalie doesn't have a chance. And I want to go back to also the play you referenced where he set up Paterka. That was a really good play too, because I think that whole time he was selling shot and then he waits and he waits and he waits and he hits Paterka back door for that tap, but just can't quite beat the goalie there. Timmy Stutza, like I tweeted it out. He never does the simple play sometimes to a fault, but it's so exciting to watch because you never know what you're going to get from this guy. And I think that's what makes him uh, such a dynamic player and Man, when we see him with some supporting cast around him, the ideas and the things he's going to think of are going to blow your mind. Complete pro response after the game, talking about how they were just undermanned, but there's no excuse. And he thought that, he, well, he was proud of the effort that all of his teammates put in. And how could you not be? Because that finished team, we had them, Tony Ferrari had him as his dark horse. Henry Brown had him as their dark horse to win the entire tournament. I don't think anyone feels that way about Germany. However, Stutzla leading by example as well. Not only a goal, an assist, six shots, 26 minutes of ice time, as Pilsy mentioned, for a forward is absolutely insane, but he was getting into it physically as well. He and Ronnie Hiravone in the Leafs draft pick, maybe a sign of things to come in the future battle of Ontario's, but man, I love to see that out of him. A little grit, a little, hey, don't, don't pin me against the boards when the puck's not here. I'm going to give you a shot right back. And then they went rolling up the ice a little bit together. But that's a piece of his game that I think doesn't get mentioned because it's overshadowed by all these extraordinary talents. But that's an important part of his game. And when he gets to see every day how Brady handles himself, I think that type of style is going to rub off on him even more. Yeah, and it's especially interesting to note that because, yeah, you, you don't think of Timmy Stutzla as kind of a, a guy that's going to get into the action after the whistle or get into the rough plays, but he was absolutely gassed out there, and he still 
fighting for himself. And, uh, you know, he got some self-respect. Like, I'm not going to take that from you. I don't care how tired I am. I don't care if I'm the superstar. If I got to take a penalty to show you not to mess with me, I'll do it. It just makes you that much more valuable when you're a guy who's willing to go into those dirty areas. Pilsy, I think that's something that I'd like to see a little bit more from Robbie Arventi, who was on the other side of that game. We know he has the talent to be able to put on that kind of effort. But to me, he was a little less noticeable. Now, he was a guy who in the first game was playing with Anton Lundell and Casper Simon Taival. He actually ended up getting usurped on that line by Ronnie Hervonen, who we just mentioned mixed it up. So he ended up playing with Yuso Parsonen and Brad Lambert. This is one of the youngest players in the tournament. But how do you think he fared in, uh, in his first effort in the World Juniors? Yeah, it's disappointing when you see Robbie Arventi not getting to play those uh, top line minutes with Lundell, but I think it, it actually might be a good thing. You know, that now he's not going up against the top defenders, the other team's top line. Maybe he gets a little more space on that second line. I was also a little bit underwhelmed with his performance against Germany, but he did have that one chance where he was behind the goal line. There's two German defenders in the crease, one of them basically down. Robbie Arventi sneaks the puck under that guy through the crease, past the goalie, hits off a German defender's shin pad, and just rolls right along the goal line. That was so close. That would have been a nice little goal for Robbie Yarventi to get to open his scoring. Or as uh, Alex Heiner likes to say, open his account in the World (laughs) Juniors. Yeah, well, still lots of opportunity for Team Finland to continue their road because I don't think that if you're anyone on Team Finland, you're very ecstatic. I mean, you did get 50 shots. You outshot... Germany by a mile but to only win by two goals like that's that's not great when uh, you're such an undermanned team but give credit to Tim Stutzla and the Germans as you mentioned Stutzla exhausted by the end of the game uh here's your replay on Twitter posted that so we retweeted that with the Terrell Owens that's my quarterback but that is our superstar so a super effort from Timmy the third overall pick in the draft and then you look on two hours later, it's the fifth overall pick, Jake Sanderson, making his debut. Now, this was teed up as a goalie matchup. So as a goalie-friendly show, you know we were locked in to Spencer Knight versus Yarrow Askarov, but it was pretty one-sided in that. I mean, Spencer Knight got pulled, and he did it to himself, that terrible giveaway to go down 3-1 in the game, 4-1 rather. At that time, U.S. makes a bit of a comeback, ultimately falling short, but Jake Sanderson the third goal, maybe his fault. Maybe for me, it's the centerman needs to have a stick on the ice. But you made a good point off air, Pilsy. You can't be putting pizzas up in the middle of the ice. Yeah, definitely uh, a bit of a step back for Jake Sanderson from what we're used to. And I don't know about you, Ross, but I hardly noticed him in the first period. Uh, I was searching for him, couldn't really find him. And then on that goal, look, this is a tough play. Like, there's not a lot of options here. Spencer Knight wraps the puck around the board. There's two Russian players coming towards the corner to where the puck is and where Sanderson is from each side. So you don't have a lot of options there. He decides he's going to make a quick little pass to try to transition the puck up the middle to, I think it was Berard, but Berard's not ready for it. And it goes right to the Russian player. And that's one of the easiest goals you'll ever score. What I would have liked Sanderson to do there is maybe recognize that there's a lot of players joining and uh, bunching up in the slot. So tossing Tossing that pizza up the slot, like, I don't care who you are. When you're a defenseman, that's kind of the first thing you learn. Like, 
avoid it at all costs, tossing that puck right through the slot. And that's what Sanderson does. I would have preferred him to recognize the situation, pin the puck up against the board with a skate, or just fire it as hard as you can to try to wrap it around the boards, even though there's a Russian guy right there. If it hits off him and deflects and kind of becomes like a dead puck, then that's better than a potential uh, scoring opportunity. So it was a high risk, low reward play that he did there and came back to bite him. Yeah, certainly. The one good thing you can say is that, well, five of the six U.S. defensemen, or six of seven, I should say, in international competition, I'm excluding Cam York, who I thought was brilliant. Everyone else left a lot to be desired. So there's a big group, and hey, that may, might just open up a spot for the K-Train to make his appearance later today. They're playing against, I believe, Austria. It's a, a low-leverage opponent, so perfect time to get him in the lineup as well. See what you have. But Jake Sanderson, it wasn't all bad. He had a very brilliant high IQ play in the third period that would have prevented a two-on-one. He didn't have his stick. Most guys would panic and just jump off the ice or try to defend without a stick. He goes, grabs his stick, and in one foul swoop, falls down backwards and slices the puck right off the attacking Russian stick. That's the kind of high hockey IQ that we've come to know and love through three games with the Nodak Sands. Yeah, definitely. And I actually, I had to watch that uh, replay like four or five times to really get what was going on there. It happens so quick that he gets this, gets the stick from the bench and yeah, does that swipe like you talked about. Uh, that's the thing, like Jake Sanderson, he's, I don't think you're going to see a game where it's like three, four bad mistakes and then nothing good, right? You're going to, you're going to get the positives and yeah, that was a tough position, the mistake that he was put in. And I liked uh, another sense prospect clip, Jake Sanderson picking the puck up and coast to coast glides the toast. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Coast to coast butters the toast. Well, he didn't butter the toast on that True. one, but True. he goes around the net and just, you can see the momentum picking up in his crossovers and his skating is so beautiful and he's going so fast down the wing and he throws it towards the middle of the ice. No one really picks up on it, but that that's the kind of transition game that you're going to get from Jake Sanderson. Either he's going to make the full transition by himself because he's such a good stick handler and good skater, or he's going to make that good first pass, or he's going to do do whatever he has to do, dump it in. He's so good at reading the transitions. It's going to be monumental to his team's starting offense. Both Stutzla and Jake Sanderson back in action today. Maybe Tyler Clevin as well. The full slate is Sweden versus Czech Republic at 2 p.m. Eastern. Of course, this is Saturday December 26th at 6 p.m. Eastern, Germany, Canada. Good luck, Germany. And at 9.30, it is the U.S. taking on Austria. Pilsy, before we get to our Sun Central Citizen, we have to say thank you to Sylvain Saint one of the longtime members of the media covering the Sens and really an awesome article he wrote just about podcasting in general, but featured us in the Locked On Senators podcast. So it was kind of a nice thing to wake up to, a, a late Christmas present, you could say. Yeah, definitely. That was a nice surprise. And uh, yeah, he interviewed you about the pod and he got a lot of good stories. And it's funny, like for, for me and you, it doesn't seem that crazy what we're doing that, you know, we, we got the passion for the game, for the love of the game. Like when you see it in print, like we traveled 350 kilometers total to do three hours of minimum wage work to work for the Belleville Senators. We've done 150 podcasts while there's no Senators hockey about the Senators. So it's been a wild ride, but uh, hey, we wouldn't be here without all you guys listening. So thanks for listening. And thank you, Sylvain, for that nice article about us. Really appreciate that.
Well, it was 150 since the Sens last game at the time I spoke with Sylvain. This is our 163rd episode since the Senators last played a game and almost 100,000 downloads in that amount of time, which just speaks to the passion of Sens fans throughout this rebuild. So after we get to our Sens Central Citizen, we're going to get back to our organizational value rankings. You can go back. We took a couple off because World Juniors just took precedent. We had those preview shows. But before that, we've been counting down from all the way from 62, and we're going to get all the way to number one. So stay tuned for that. But first, let's get to our Send Central Citizen this week. It's Jacob LaRiviere. All right, we're now very excited to welcome this week's Send Central Citizen. It's Jacob LaRiviere. It's not your first time on the show. You were a voice on our draft day special but welcome officially as a Send Central citizen. What's up today, Jacob? Not too much. I got up a little early to do this show with you guys. I can't, can't wait to get started. Yeah, that's awesome. We're excited to have you. Day after Christmas, you know, everyone's, you know, maybe waking up with a bit of a food coma. So what better than some Sense content? Getting to know how you became an Ottawa Senators fan. Jacob, I know you're from Gatineau, so you're from the area. Do you always grow up being an Ottawa Senators fan? Yeah, well, that's funny because I was actually born in Ottawa, but I lived most of my childhood in a, in a, in a, in a town I'd say maybe about two-ish hours away from Ottawa called Pembroke. But uh, uh, yeah, I've pretty much been a Sens fan my whole life. Uh, my family's not really a big uh, hockey family, but uh, living in Pembroke, I got to see a lot of hockey uh, around. Uh, we had a local junior team and hockey just stole my heart right away. Now, did you play hockey growing up or you've always been kind of uh, on the I- outside looking in? I played here and there. I played a couple of years. I played a little, little bit when I was younger, and I played this last year, my last year of eligibility, but it was, it was fun. What was your position? I started out uh, uh, as a center, but I, I quickly moved to the wings. Face, taking face-offs is not my thing at all. <laughs> <laughs> nice. How, how would, what would your scouting report be on your own game? Give us an, an oh old Ottawa Senators player that you tried to model your game after. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm not going to say a sense, sense player, but I know the coach really tried ma- making me play like Matthew Barron and Barnaby. <laughs> there's an Ottawa boy though so that's yeah. hilarious that's a, that's a quick window and an easy window to see into of a style yeah. of game is that the kind of hockey you like watching too like do you like those tougher players I mean I like I like it I like the scoring but I also like the physical I like I like a happy medium in between like I like a nice high scoring game but there's got to be some physicality so right now pretty good chucks the perfect hockey player for me yeah, it's fair, but as you know you're on a goalie-friendly show, though. How about a oh, nice yeah. 2-1 game with 40, 38 shots and just kicking out left and right? Oh, I got I got a, I got a uh, show love some goalies. I played uh, goalie in practice a couple times. I'm not that great at it, but uh, it's, 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 a, it's a fun position. Sure is, and so is defense where you have to be blocking shots. We saw oh, you yeah. were part of a team that was interviewing Mar- Mark Borowiecki the other day. How'd that come about? Yeah. Uh, so one of our uh, one of our uh, teammates, Sam, he actually is family friends with uh, with Mark and and his family. So it's, it's that's how we got that. And and um, thanks to him, we we're able to have Mark on our show. And again, thanks a lot, Mark, for joining us. It was super fun. That's awesome, man. Mark Borowiecki, fan favorite, one of my favorites. I was torn apart when he left. What what was like the most uh, interesting takeaway you had from talking to him? Like he seems like a guy that you could talk to for hours and you get uh, straight honest answers out of, eh? Oh yeah, his answers were really, really honest. I, I was really surprised of how uh, how easygoing he was with when we asked him uh, the questions about the famous interview. I mean, you, know, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> he was really upfront about it, and then he uh, he had said something like it was it was not his favorite moment of being a uh, being a sense player. I'm yeah. not uh, too shocked at that answer, but hey, good on him that uh, that he's open, oh, yeah. doesn't try to run away from that sort yeah. of thing, and. I mean, that says a lot. So where, where can people find that podcast if, uh, if they um, want to listen to Mark? Yeah, 
that uh, that's with the uh, new Aerosense podcast team. One of the one of the one of the teams I've joined recently. I'm one of the producers there, and uh, we're growing a lot. It's super fun. You can find us on our website at newerasense.com or on our Twitter at newerasense or newerasensepod. Uh, you can find us there easily. That's awesome. So when, what year do you first remember being an Ottawa Senators fan? Was it the Stanley Cup run 2007 to the finals or was it a little bit later on? I can't put an exact year, but I think it was maybe a little before because I'm I'm younger I'm younger than 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 a lot of people on Twitter. I'm a, I'm only 18, so I don't have as many early on memories as, as some other people do, like you guys do, for example. But I remember uh, uh, I always liked the Senators, and funny enough, as a kid, I being uh, being a French speaker and going at a school that uh, the principal was a big fan of Montreal Canadiens. I, I always liked the Senators and the Habs. And early on, I remember uh, always mistaking the Senators for the Ottawa Canadians and the Montreal Senators. Yeah, that's a, that's a mix-up. Hopefully, you yeah. figured out. Uh, oh, I figured out really quickly. Oh, I figured out really quickly. <laughs> for sure. So, hey, we finally got to see some World Junior uh, action last night. Last question for me here, Jacob. Of all the Sens prospects in this tournament, who do you think will have the biggest impact for their team? Not who's going to be the best or who's going to put up the most points, but who's going to have the biggest impact for their team? It all depends because I know we've got uh, Yarventi playing for Finland. We've got a couple guys in the U.S. in Tyler Clevin and uh, Jake Sanderson. But we also have our boys, Timmy Superstar, Timmy Stutzler playing for the uh, German German team. I think uh, best player easily is going to be uh, Timmy Stutzler. But uh, we, we, we all know how that game ended last night. He doesn't have the best supporting cast so i want to see timmy stutza but i'm not too sure how well he's going to do with the lack of supporting cast there so i'm going to go with uh, our american boys and tyler clevin and jake sanderson just saying just by looking at the uh, at the at the supporting cast they have around them that's fair even if the germans don't make the quarterfinals the way timmy's been playing 26 minutes in his first game he might get more ice time than any of the other prospects even just in the round robin games even if oh, for jake sure. sanderson makes it to the finals that's just how much they're going to rely on him especially before his teammates are out of quarantine i'll leave you with my final question a sends related one who's one player that we should be keeping our eye on to have a huge breakout performance this upcoming season Okay, okay. This is this is a this is a tough one. There's a lot of great guys. Uh, I could say Josh Norris if he makes the lineup, but I, I'm going to say Brady Kachuk simply based on the fact that Brady Kachuk has been great his first two years, but this is his third year. And if you remember correctly, Matthew Kachuk, his older brother, broke out into a superstar his third year in the league. So I think he's going to be a similar growth pattern there. I like that, and they're going to get to go head to head. So you know that they're going to be watching each other's game closely, and Brady following in the footsteps and always doing one better, right? Getting fourth overall versus Matthew being drafted sixth. I like that answer a lot. And is he going to do it with the C on his jersey, or are we going to have to wait? I don't. I think. I think uh, captain C's either is going to be him, him or Chabot. I don't think there's captain this year. I'm pretty sure that uh, DJ Smith like pretty much confirmed it recently. But uh, for captain C, I'm going to say it's either Chabot, Chabot or uh, or Brady. But you never know. With uh, with uh, Timmy, uh, he might he might be in, in the conversation too. You know. Wow. Throwing in a late dark horse to the captain's great. A perfect place to end off this Send Central Citizen. Go follow him on Twitter at Jacob LaRiviere. We're going to tag him in this uh, episode tweet as well. So make sure to follow him and appreciate uh, joining us as a Send Central Citizen. Keep up the great work, uh, Jacob. Look forward to chatting soon. Great chat with Jacob and go check out that New Era Sens podcast with Mark Borowiecki. Uh, kind of interesting as a former senator, but always a guy who speaks his mind. So I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to that as well. But Pilsy, it's time to get back 
to our organizational value rankings. If you haven't been with us all the way, or if you just need a refresher, we did take a couple off. The way we're doing this is as though it's trade value. Think of NHL. You know how they have those bars and you have your most valuable and contracts play a role into this. Age plays a role. Everything does. We're taking it all into account and we're all the way up at number 46 to start today. And that is Parker Kelly, a guy who I believe is going to get much more opportunity this year. But Pilsy, we've been in Belleville. We were there last year. What did you see from a rookie season out of Parker Kelly? I'm a big Parker Kelly fan. Like I, ever since we saw him in dev camp and rookie camp, like this is a high energy guy and he plays with a lot of pace and a lot of enthusiasm out there. Yeah, he also won, speaking of Dev Camp, the Jonathan Petre Award, which goes to the hardest worker at camp. I believe he shared it with Brady Kachuk in, in his first year there. So that speaks to his level of compete, and you see it every shift. Not the biggest guy. He's about 5'10", but he is a water bug out there. Think of like Pajot with a bit more of a mean streak and maybe a bit less skill. And that's not to say that he's not talented. You look at his stats when he played in junior. He was on one of the best junior teams ever, that Prince Albert Raiders team. And he contributed 35 goals in 64 games uh, in his final season there. So is that offense going to be there at the AHL and NHL level? Maybe, maybe not. But he did pot 10 goals as a rookie in Belleville. That's, that's not to, to be discounted. Yeah, and what's interesting about this, Ross, is I'm looking at his game log right now for Belleville. He was almost invisible to start the season. He had one goal, just one goal in 21 games from October 5th to December 7th. Just the one goal to show for with Belleville. But then as uh, you know, more players move up to the NHL, trades happen, etc. He got a little bit more of a role to end the season and he started picking up some points uh, in February. So he really rounded out the, the end of the season nicely there. And I think we're going to see a more defined role from Parker Kelly. Like he was pretty much stuck on that fourth line to start the season. So with some more ice time, with some more chemistry, with some more experience at the pro level game, I think we're going to see a big boost from Kelly here. Yeah, starting January 11th, he went six out of seven games with a point. So maybe starting to get more comfortable. It takes some time for for guys, especially uh, smaller players in stature. Young guy too. Like he's, he's only 21, 99 birthday. So he, he needed that little bit of time to get used to the AHL. But I see a situation where with guys graduating now this year, he could, he's going to get a consistent top nine role, maybe more of a checking line. Maybe you could see him with Mark Kastelik as a, a third line, a couple Western boys getting out there and, and causing trouble. Maybe even throw Alex Formanton on the left wing if you want to kind of spread out the talent. That's a, a line that would be a pain in the ass against every team. That's the kind of player I think Parker Kelly can be at the NHL level. Uh, like a poor man's Brad Marchand, like the, the grittiness of Brad Marchand and a guy who can contribute sometimes on the score sheet. Yeah, I, I actually really like that idea of putting him with Kasselich. I think that uh, those two would really cause a lot of a lot of problems there. I think they might have a hard time keeping up with Formington, but maybe they just make that past him and he just uh, he just goes away on his own there. But Parker Kelly, Parker, I, he he can fly though. Parker Kelly can skate. Yeah, definitely. And he's a guy that he's all over the ice. He's whether he's making uh, quick poke checks, he's laying the body, finishing his checks. He's he's someone that's going to give players nightmares on the forecheck for opposing teams. I feel the same way about the next player on our countdown. Coming in at number 45, Angus Crookshank. We already know that if we were sorting this by best names in the organization, he would be number one and it would be a big gap after him. But names don't get you contracts in the NHL. But 
playing the way that he has this last year and a bit at the University of New Hampshire, that's going to turn some heads because he was a mid-round pick. He was taken in the fifth round of 2018, but then he goes to New Hampshire. He gets 23 points in 36 games as a a freshman, and then in his sophomore season, all the way up to 16 goals in 34 games. And that's not even counting his two goals in two games to start this season. But when you think of Angus Crookshank, the player, what comes to mind for you, Pills? Well, he's in his third year of uh, NCAA college play here, and he's another guy that finished the season strong last season. Like, in his last three games, he had four points with a goal in each of those games. So he's a guy that I think is getting into his groove. And, yeah, sure, University of New Hampshire's only played two games, but he got two goals in one of those games. So he's already off to a good start. I think this is a guy that, yeah, you're going to see him, your middle six, maybe sometime down the road in Belleville. But I think there's some potential here, and uh, I can't wait to see more of Crookshank now that we're following the college game a little more closely. I'm glad you mentioned his two-goal performance was in the second game. Well, their first game was a 1-1 tie, and he had seven shots on goal, which led the entire game. So no goals there, but he just he's a guy who gets involved in the offense no matter what. I like what you said, maybe more of a PK guy because he can skate, he can move really well, he thinks the game. But when you look at his leadership qualities, and I know the Sens have made a very high effort to make sure to draft those kind of players. And Angus Crookshank is no different. We tweeted out, we'll retweet it again, but in the New Hampshire Union Leader, there was a great article just talking about how the coach is saying there, there is no better leader than Angus Crookshank. He wants to improve defensively this year, become a more rounded player, but what he brings to the locker room, he says, the coach this is, calls him your, your perfect leader. So that isn't to be taken lightly either. I see him as a guy who will get a contract after this season and play in Belleville starting in 2022. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. And uh, these are the kind of guys that uh, you, you're going to want in Belleville playing those supportive roles for your star players. And I, I've got good hopes for Angus Crookshank, and I can't wait to see Crookshank in a Belleville jersey. Final quote I'll say before we move on from him, and this is again from Coach Souza at New Hampshire. He's as hungry an athlete as I can imagine anyone can coach. He just wants to be a player so badly, and he's willing to do whatever he can. He represents our program so well all the time. So high praise from the coach there, and uh, big things, we hope, in Angus Crookshank's future. As a goalie-friendly show, we'd be remiss not to wish big things for all of the Sens goalie prospects. However, this one... Coming in, what? We had Anders Nielsen as a uh, honorable mention, but the next most valuable coming in at number 44 on our organizational rankings. It's Levi Marilinen, the surprise pick. And in, in this uh, template, we're trying to you know recap their last season. I don't know where he even played last season. I know it was U20 and Carpat, but his start to this season is what's getting everyone excited. 11 wins in 14 games. Pilsy has the best winning percentage of any goalie in this junior A league in Finland. Yeah, like this is the thing you try to say all the time. You can only play as good as the competition you're in, and he's dominating a win percentage of 79%, and he has the fifth best save percentage at uh, point. 915. Thanks uh, for that courtesy of Sense Prospect tweet. But yeah, this is a guy like he shocked everyone when he was selected by the Ottawa Senators because there were still a bunch of good goalies left. I, I think a lot of people didn't even have Levi on their radar to be drafted at all, let alone pretty, pretty high in the draft here. But this is where I think goalies are a little tricky to draft. You can't 
draft just based on reputation. You got to draft based on how you think they they prepare, how you think uh, they react, their positioning. You know what you hear from coaches from how they're playing. So I think Levi Marylinen is a long shot that from his projection is projecting to look pretty good here. I think so too. He's very slim still, 6'2", 159 he's listed wow. at on prospect. So does have some room to fill out. He's an August birthday, meaning he was one of the youngest players selected in this draft. And he would be playing in the Liga if it weren't for the fact that Carpat is a goalie factory. And they have two guys on their team already who are also NHL picks. And one of them being a second rounder this year, funny enough, the pick they chose Joel Blomqvist with, Pittsburgh that is, was the one they got from Ottawa for Matt Murray. So there's a lot, a bit of a log jam there, but as you said, you can only play the competition that you go up against. And last year he was playing in a U18 league, Pilsy in 19 games, he had a 942 save percentage. So that that's something that could turn your head, stopping 94% of the shots. I mean, look out, but I do want to see him get an opportunity in the Liga. Four times this year, he's backed up. But we really want to see him get his feet wet in that league. He's a guy who I don't expect to see in Belleville until 2024. Like, let him play the next three years, grow his game in Finland, and you're seeing a Carpat system that's developed guys like Pecorine. So there is a, a history of them being able to produce goaltenders. I mentioned the two young guys on their on their pro team right now. So just let him hang out there for a while and have Pierre Gru check in on him, maybe go over once or twice a year, and we'll see what we have. But as a goalie-friendly show, we had to put him a little bit higher than maybe some others would. And I think that his play this season, Pills, has warranted that. Definitely. And like, like you said, this is an 18 year old kid who's not barely even a, 18. Yeah, not even 160 pounds soaking wet. Like this guy's got a lot of room to grow. And the Senators really showed their faith in him. Like, I think it's a bit of a head scratcher, honestly, that they chose him in the third round. Like, this is probably a guy you could have got it in the sixth or even seventh round because no one had him on their radar. So obviously that shows the faith and the confidence they have in Levi. Well, funny enough, and you keep calling him Levi, which is his name, so that's cool, but Devon Levi, who we're going to see play for Team Canada, was a seventh-round pick, and now yeah. he's starting at the World Juniors. Same so with Dustin just, Wolf, seventh-round pick for uh, the Calgary Flames. Yeah, so it just – and shout out, how can we talk seventh-round goalies without mentioning 199th overall pick? Our boy, Joey Decord, just shows that these, these goalies, they can develop later, and that's why maybe you don't waste a fifth overall pick on Yaro Askarov. Like I was tempted to, when you see this guy going absolutely bananas with his athleticism, but goalies are just so voodoo that anything can happen. And that's why we're cheering for Levi Marilyn. And speaking of goalies and Devon Levi, Team Canada debuting tonight against Timmy Superstar. Canada, if you're listening, Andre Tournier, I know you're an Ottawa 6-7 coach. Go easy on our boy, Timmy, please. Because, you know, we kind of want him to look good. That's all. <laughs> but you know that our heart and soul is still with the Canadians, Pilsy. It's going to be another great day. How would you rank that first day of World Junior Action? I thought it was fantastic. That was amazing. And I'll be honest, I thought Finland was going to absolutely steamroll Team Germany here. Because let's not forget that for most of these guys, this is their first competitive game in months. And they're doing it coming off traveling from Germany 
being in quarantine, not getting practices, not getting uh, pre-tournament games, and they're just jumping right into action against one of the powerhouse teams in this tournament. Like, they, that was an excellent showing, so I was stoked with that. And then I mentioned earlier, this USA-Russia game was the one I had circled on my calendar as the most interesting round-robin game to watch, and it didn't disappoint. USA almost brought it back there at the end. Super excited, not only to see Timmy back in action today, but the rest of the tournament, just looking forward to it. And you know what's funny about this tournament? It's kind of overshadowing the fact that since training camp opens in five days, five days coming up in a complete hurry, you know we're the number one home for your daily Ottawa Senators content. And we're going to be with you every step of the way. We mentioned 163 episodes since the last game. You can only imagine how onwards and upwards we're going to get once the Sens are back in action. So make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter as well at send central. We'll be back on Monday with tons of world junior talk and maybe some special guests next week. As I said, inching closer to Ottawa Senators season for Brandon Piller. I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the locked on senators podcast, your team every day.